fire. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Help warp one. Warp two. Warp factor eight. Engage. 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 T. L. Gray hot. T. L. Gray hot. T. L. Gray hot. Would you like some tea? Hello and welcome to episode four of Earl Grey and Picard. My name is Stephen. I'm Dan. And today we'll be talking about one of my favorite Picard episodes, Family, uh, episode three, season four. Episode two, season four. Episode two. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, Dan is right. Episode two, season four. Uh, episode three is Brothers, right? That's uh, not a very Picard episode. <laughs> But, Great episode, though, but not No, like, I mean, as a Picard podcast, I feel this is a mandatory episode to do, um, as opposed to the last one we did, The Best of Both Worlds, which we thought was very Picardian. Yeah, that was a, it was a fantastic episode for Strength. Yes, not a super great episode for Picard. Um, he was the driving force, but didn't have a lot of screen time, whereas Family, fantastic episode, um, and really... The whole focus is on Picard, and Worf and his family, but mostly on Picard. Well, like, like, yeah, even when you know we were following Worf, I was always wondering what was happening back on the surface on Earth. You know, I wanted to like if the whole episode was just us following Jean Luc on Earth with his family, I would have been fine. If there was no B story involved, I would have been happy with that. Actually, that being said, I did like Worf's family. They were very funny, very cute. You could say it was awesome seeing Worf not angry, not. Rage-filled, not not upset, not worried, just very, very, very chagrined by his being surrounded by his parents, by his mother especially. It seemed like yeah, um, the whole mother-son dynamic. It was great to see more from that situation. Like they could have called this episode "We Have All the Specs and Diagrams at Home." Yeah, and that would have worked out. I just. Stuff. I just put in. I just figured out why they called a family because it's Picard would go to visit his family. Dwarf and his family coming to visit. Yeah, that you, that's you, why they called a family. You just realized that uh, now. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm smart. Dan, what are you drinking right now? Uh, right now, well, I just finished a Collective Arts Sour, the Dry Hop Sour, which is pretty good. Although I can only drink one of those in a night. Uh, the one I just cranked was the Upper Thames out of Woodstock, Ontario. Uh, it's called the Portage, an IPA. Um, Immediately following a sour, the first few sips have been very, very, very bitter. <laughs> but I know that that's probably not the genuine taste of the beer, so I'm going to give it a little bit of time to mellow before I get back to it. Okay, yeah, so right now, thank you, I'm drinking something called Ransack the Universe. Um, it's Collective Arts. It's, yep, Collective Arts. They have amazing artwork on their cans, and half the time that's the reason why I buy beers, is just for the artwork on the can itself. Yeah, they're, they're, there's draw the, the eye for sure. Um, they're always very uh, intriguing. And um, I'm trying to look at the... This is a... Oops. Okay, it's a 6.8% IPA. Um, and I will review it. Well, we're, all, we're both going to review our beers at the end of the episode, but uh, so far I'm liking this one. Quite hoppy and delicious with fine artwork to boot. Okay, so let's just dive right into the episode then. Um, okay, Dan, why don't you start with some notes that you made earlier? Uh, my first point, we already talked about it a little bit, uh, more from his parents. Yep. Just awesome to see. Uh, we don't see them again, I don't think, in the rest of the series, do we? 
Nope, I think that's the only time we we hear about them, but we never see them again. Isn't his mother on the view screen and she sends him a, a video saying that her, his father died or something like that? You know, I actually don't recall that. There's something okay. tickling in the back of my brain about that, but they said I can't remember. Okay, well, if any of our listeners do remember that, please comment um, on our Facebook that? or Twitter. Oh, speaking of which, you know, this is the perfect time to bring up the fact that we have a Twitter account now. So, um, if you just type in Earl Grey and Picard on Twitter, you'll be able to find us, and we have a Facebook page also with the same name, Earl Grey and Picard. Um, so, we'll, we'll, what we would like is more, is some more interaction, if possible, you know. So. Um, if there's something you like or don't like about our episode, please let us know. We're just starting out as podcasters, and you know, we're yeah, it helps us structure the episode to be more appealing to you because you're the ones listening to it. We can talk about any aspect of Star Trek, but if you don't enjoy it, it's not really any point in us touching on it. There's so much more that we can talk about. So let us know what you like, and and then uh, we. We can, <laughs> we can all work together to make a better podcast. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then if the podcast sucks, it really is your fault for getting it back. Yeah, no, no. So it's not on us. <laughs> it's all on you. You know, whatever aspect of this podcast you don't like, um, let us know and we will work hard to fix it. Um, do we talk about the beer too much? Do we not talk about Picard enough? You let us know. So anyway, we uh, Earl Grey and Picard on Twitter. Earl Grey and Picard on Facebook, let us know. And um, we have actually been developing a bit of an audience. You know, we've had almost 100 uh, listeners now, and um, thankful for everyone who's been tuning in so far. Um, my, uh, my next point it always makes me laugh, but it's never more apparent than in this episode. Picard goes home to France, yep. to, the, to, the, to the family farm, yep. family vineyard. Um, both Picard and his brother Robert mm-hmm. have that luscious British accent. And I know we're just <laughs> supposed to not really think about it, pay attention to it because it's TV and that's what happens. But my God, that luscious <laughs> British accent and they grew up in France and there is a point in the episode where they're speaking French or saying French words. Yeah. But you can still hear the British accent. Yeah, I know. It's weird. You know, like I, sus- laugh. I suspect, I mean, by the time the 24th century has come around, geopolitics will be very different. I, I don't well, know. It's, 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 I would think there'd be no accents at all, really, unless you grew up on a totally different planet. Think so. You think by the twenty fourth century, accents we're, we're like we're all, we're all just going to have the same sort of accent. We're going to be like homogenized. I would imagine more so than we are now. Yeah, mm, it's possible. But it just it it's just makes me laugh, right? The British accent stuck in France. He's walking up and down the fields. He's talking to his brother, arguing with his brother, and he's got that thick Yorkshire accent. Yeah, like I've always I, I have wondered about that too. Like, why does a Frenchman have? A thick English accent, you know. Well, and they they never like in any of the books that I can remember, in any of the TV shows or the movies, anything like that. They never really make any mention of it. So I think it's one of those things that we're just supposed to ignore for the sake of the show, right? Like it's just this well, is the story. Well, I mean, so Picard was not born in England, right? Like he was born in Labar, France, mm-hmm. and. So I guess at that point, in France, France, yeah. So I guess at that point in Earth's timeline in the history, 
that that's just like there's no French or maybe the English and French. I'm trying to, to figure maybe out. England finally won and destroyed France, only keeping the France name just so they wouldn't have to change all the maps that already existed. Oh, so what are you implying? There was a war between yeah. the two countries. And, See, but that, that wouldn't happen in the future because <laughs> this is the Star Trek universe and humans do not fight amongst each other, especially on Earth. So that can't happen. But I would love for Sony, like even any Twitter, Facebook you know, person who's listening to us, podcaster, whoever you are, give us your ideas. Like why does Jean-Luc Picard have an English accent yet yet he was born in France. I would love to hear any theories any of you have because Dan and I can't figure this one out. I do also have a theory. Um, so Picard is a man of great... Uh, okay, he's never wanted to show weakness in front of his crew, right? So I, one of my theories was that he escapes to Earth to recover, right? So, and so but he doesn't want to show his vulnerability towards the rest of the crew. So part of the reason he is leaving is just to hide from the crew of the Enterprise because yeah. he's still in a damaged state. You can well you can see in the first like first half of the episode, like the like when he's on the ship before he leaves when he's talking to Troy, you can see because I, I think Patrick Stewart's such a great actor, yeah. you can see the tension in him. You can see that he's a different captain. He's a different person since the the border time. Yeah. So um, he plays it really, really well. Patrick Stewart plays it really well, real subtle, but he can feel like I see like a, a tension in him yeah um, like when he's telling Troy that yeah he's fine he just wants to go visit family whatever yeah. you finally see Troy being useful and kind of guiding <laughs> him into into realizing why he's going to visit his family and whatnot but uh, but yeah totally not escaping but needing knowing that it needs to get away to to put his head back together right after that happened so like imagine Picard hadn't had that short leave you know he, he would not have been able to deal with that said, like the Borg incident as well, right? He would have, it would have been in the back of his head, you know, because uh, he needed that release with his brother Robert, you know, um, when they were fighting in the mud, you know, he needed to get that out of his system. Okay, so what, another point I wanted to bring up was um, there is never another episode like this in all of TNG and in all of, I dare say, the rest of Trek where they deal with just family, you know, like a very, or a very, um, traumatic incidents, you know, like it's basically just Picard and Worf dealing with family issues and a very never non sci fi. Very non sci fi. Like they are stationary. Like the ship doesn't go anywhere. It's just the ship isn't part of the story. No, it's not part of the story. And so I yeah, and I've seen I think you and I have seen most episodes of Trek. I, I know I've seen like Enterprise all I've seen all that stuff. And like I cannot think of another episode in all of Trek that is just family based and the ship doesn't go anywhere. So I can't really think of um, any episode, really. No, it has such a unique feel. Yeah. Um, and and I, I say that you've seen more Star Trek than I have, mostly because I'm only halfway through Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it, but it's still going. Yeah. Um, then you see, too, when he's talking to Troy, when he beats down to the planet. Okay, Patrick Stewart is in great shape. He yep. looks good. No, he looks great. He's a good-looking older man. Yep. I would look like that when I'm his age. Yeah, well, you have to, I think we have to cut off the beers. That's the first thing we have to yeah, do, right? But already done before. <laughs> um, but when uh, when Renee jumps out of the bushes and, and Picard interacts with him, so we're in the we're with the fourth season of Picard now. And he's interacting with a young child, yeah. and he's actually doing pretty good with it. Where in previous seasons, he was a very awkward, very, very, very. Um, 
un, unwilling participant in a conversation with the kid. Whereas with Renee, maybe it's just because her family or because he knows of the kid, but I can't really, I, I don't know. He just seems way more comfortable with it. And he's a little more engaged with it. Yeah, like, to participate. it's funny, like I made the exact same notes. Um, he seems quite at ease with Renee and I like the whole uncle nephew reversal of roles there. Yeah. I thought that, that made me laugh every time. It was really cute. Um, I really like that. You get, and, uh, you get with them with with Picard with Renee. Mm-hmm. Renee is one of Picard's very, very, very few weak spots. It's a chink in the armor of Picard. Yeah. Like in generations when like, yeah, he died spoilers, in the fire. right? They die in the fire and Picard loses his shit. Um in a very real, very visceral yeah. way. That might not happen if, you know, Riker data or someone else got destroyed, but he would be very upset and bereft and, and sad and, and all those things if a crew member died or a friend died, but when it's Renee and his brother Robert, but Renee especially, I think. Yeah. I haven't watched Generations in a while, but I feel like it was more Renee. He just falls apart. Yeah. That's so you see a real human aspect of the character that's behind true. the facade of strength and Yeah, like not the facade, but the 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 wall of strength that he puts up. It's true, the wall of strength. Yeah, like we, we don't see Picard that vulnerable too often. Like as you pointed out in Generations, that was one moment that you know it's part of this episode here, family. Um, Cardassians. And, yeah, there are four lights. That episode, yeah. uh, Chain of Command, part I can't one, wait two. To get to that one. Yeah. yeah, and in First Contact, those are the most vulnerable moments we see Picard. You know, and those are the most fascinating. Well, not the most fascinating, but like they're interesting because, as you said, Picard always has this wall of strength and command and, you know, not superiority, but uh, confidence, yeah. you know, yeah. and so like, to see those walls being broken down, you know, in this episode and in Generation, it's, it's fascinating to see, as, as, as Robert said, an actual human being, you know, and it, um, you can credit the writers and you can credit Patrick Stewart for, you know, for those interesting expressions. Yeah, I think Patrick Stewart does a lot to bring a lot of the nuances of the uh, curve to life. Gives him a real direction and a little more focus than might have had with a different actor. Yeah, and I was also thinking that I mean, how can you die from a fire in the 24th century? You know, you would think that every place would have some sort of fire suppression system. So, like, just the cause of death of Renee and Robert of a fire in the 24th century. I was thinking of that in this episode (laughs) because a generation dies in a fire a little bit because the house burned down. And then this episode I watched, and the house is really old. Wait, wait, did it? Wait, the house burned down. Is that the fire that they spoke of? Like, I don't remember like them mentioning the house. The house or a burn? What, like, one of the? It was a structure they were in that burned to the ground. Yeah, so um, they're in the twenty first century. Anyway, go on. Yeah, but but the but the house and the burn, the whole farm is old. It's all old. Yeah. Now. But yeah, there's technology there, but it's all all old. It's not like pure uh, steel and, and clear. <laughs> And force fields and stuff like that. It's yeah, all just uh, granted, fine. But can't you teleport yourself out at that point? I mean, okay, okay so Robert is not. They have personal teleporters. To teleport, you have to go to the teleporter pad, and they can teleport it out. Okay. Well, in an episode of Voyager, I remember Tom Paris had access to a personal teleportation device. But you know what? I guess not everyone has and access to a personal personal. Robert tele- is afraid of technology. That's true. He hates technology. He's not going to have something like so, that lying around the fire. That's a good point. So, would you say Robert's own distaste, dislike for technology, was the cause of his own death? Oh, now you're blaming the victim. Here we go. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. No. I'm just. 
his stubbornness to adapt to modern times yeah. could have played a part in his own death. Is yeah. all I'm saying. You know, so that's not unfair. I think that's reasonable. It, it's it's a point. You know? So <laughs> good point, bad point. Listeners, you decide. <laughs> Okay, uh, so right now, um, Dan and I, we are playing the uh, episode in the background, and we're at the point where we see Robert and Picard. And we just wanted to say that the casting choice for Robert is absolutely amazing. Like, you can, you would really think these two are brothers. Yeah, he has that, that older brother vibe. Even just with his back to Picard, he's just plucking away at the, uh, the grapes. Yeah, it's grapes, right, for one? Yeah, grapes, yeah. yeah. Um, and he he just looks so, and he looks. I grew up in I grew up in farm country. He looks like every farmer I've ever met. Just real taciturn, real focused on on the job at hand. Not really open to big displays of affection. Yeah, very very taciturn, and he just the actor uh, just plays it perfectly. Yeah, there I. I think I remember reading somewhere like Picard is a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. Uh, Patterson's a Shakespearean actor. I believe that actor is as well. And okay, so actually a bit of news. I found out last week that the actor who played Picard's brother has died. Oh, uh, that's too bad. It's too bad. Although he was quite old in this episode. Yeah. Right? At least he looks about ten years older. He could be about ten yeah. years older. You know. Um, well, I like the I like the big brother, uh, little brother um, aspect of this whole thing too. Yeah. Uh, like you can see through the whole episode the dynamics from when they were kids when the older brother had to look out for the younger brother keep him in trouble older brother had to be more serious had to focus on keeping things together making sure that his younger brother was okay and, and, and like you know, yeah getting to school and so he had more parental rather than a brother role um and you can totally see that in all their interactions yeah um I, and like I think some of the animosity between the two comes from the fact that Robert was consistently jealous of Picard and his achievements. He would win the ribbon in school, you know, the mayor wants to give him the keys to the city and whatnot. And, you know, I'll, I'll get a little personal here with you. Like, I, I know that my older brother, for various reasons, was jealous of me, you know, and that caused yeah. conflicts. In my family, you know, because like, what would he have to be jealous? Well, of yeah, I mean, like, I'm no captain, but he right, was. Yeah. Well, no, no, older to be jealous of. No, no, because like, he was my. So my. <laughs> it's okay. My brother came from. Um, so he was born in a previous marriage, and he was the only son, right? And then my mother remarried to my. She remarried to my father, and then I came along, and so Ray. So Ray was basically, um, he was born into an only child household and then my mother met my father and then I came along and Ray was used to being the only child and you know I was then adorned with all his attention um, and my brother was jealous from the attention I received from my parents and I could tell that caused some animosity there unintended like it wasn't my fault obviously you know. Um, and so that dynamic is displayed a little bit in this episode of family right here, you know, where you have the older brother being jealous of the younger brother uh, through no fault of the younger brother. You know, so in that regard, I can relate. You know, um, obviously, I'm no Starfleet captain. I don't, I don't have the achievements of Picard. I never will. But that inherent. 
I have longer. Yeah, I have more more hair. I long, yes, exactly. Um, and I hope that never ends either. I will never go bald. Thank you. Thank you, jeans. It's interesting you say that because my younger sister, um, I know that she would say the exact opposite. I know she would say the exact opposite that having me as an older brother uh, was more or less a privilege for her growing up. Um, she cherished every second of it. And I am to this day, and we're both in our late 30s now, to this day, I am regarded as, in her life as someone who has a lot of knowledge to share um, and, and and so I think for my sister especially with this episode she would have a hard time relating to what you said about Ray and between Picard and Robert um, basically we're just talking about families and I want to mention a little bit about my family that's all yeah no it's great and <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Picard walks up to the farm uh, with Renee and gets introduced to Marie, Renee's mother, um, his, uh, his sister-in-law, um, and he's standing there looking around at the farm, and you can see the, not relief in his eyes, but the, uh, the realization that nothing has changed, and he's, he makes mention of, he says uh, a little bit of a speech, but the phrase, untouched by the passage of time, um, kind of stuck with me. It's like he's, um, it's like he's lamenting his lost innocence in a way, um, being perverted by the board, being taken over, being overrun by the board. Um, he's no longer, or for at least a period of time, he was no longer in control of himself. He was, he lost every ounce of control. He lost every sense of uh, of privacy. Yeah. He he had every part of him was invaded by the board, uh, but he comes back farm nothing has changed all the same um, maybe he finds peace in that like maybe he oh, can he must. kind of realize that maybe he can put himself back together it seemed, it seemed like whether like maybe I'm reading into it more than I should be but it seemed like uh, a fairly powerful moment just that yeah. and that whole phrase just untouched by the passage of time that seemed to resonate with him it seemed to seem to be a big deal for him yeah, I yeah. really really like that oh, I really like that too you know it seems like this is the therapy he needed after that incident you know yeah. coming back to his childhood memories and just seeing that nothing has changed whatsoever all the bushes look the same the house looks exactly the same and what he really comes back for is the love of his brother ultimately which is what we find out at yeah. the end of the episode after they fight in the mud. So he had some nostalgia for his place, you know, a yearning to go back home. And uh, from that line, you could see in, in Patrick Stewart's face or Jean-Luc Picard's face that, uh, yeah, that's the that's what he needed to recover, basically, you know, was to go back home. Find a solace and be okay. Exactly. And, you know, like, one scary part of this episode for me was that I legitimately thought, um, I mean, had I not seen this before, but I... If I had seen this for the first time, I would have legitimately thought that he was going to leave Starfleet and yeah, join the, 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 well. the, the Atlantis project. Yeah, the, that well, was, it was really, only a few minutes, but it worked. Yeah, you know, like you could see it in the character's eyes. Like, you know, should I not go back to the Enterprise? Should I stay here because of what the Borg did to me? Um, it seemed it's and like it could have turned into a whole new show. You know, it, oh, totally redirect. Like, it would turn into. Uh, is it Atlantis? Uh, the, no, the, I'm thinking of the, the submarine show. With the dolphin? Yeah. Uh, um, sea, sea something? Seagate. Sea, sea. Not Seagate. Um, oh. It's sea something. Oh, fuck. 
I keep thinking Deep Space Nine, but that's not right. That's uh, SeaWorld. No, not SeaWorld. <laughs> SeaWorld. That's a park, damn it. <laughs> um, I don't have Jonathan Brandis. So very, uh, but I had a talking dolphin, right? I, it, they, yeah, they communicated with the dolphin because the dolphin was the pilot. Uh, the dolphin was the navigator? Oh, I remember um, it had a device on its head. And uh, I'm just googling this real yeah. quick because it's gonna bug me if I don't figure it out. Okay, well, like, I'm uh, sure some various listeners to our show right now are Sequest. Sequest. Wasn't Seagate? Wasn't SeaWorld? It was Sequest. Sequest DSV. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine a Picard show just like taking place underwater? Underneath, underwater. Just and he and he. It sounds like he'd be more of an administrator than anything. Yeah. So it's like him putting out fires, but they're like shipping problems and personnel issues, and yeah. he's pushing paper. That's like, not. You know what? I would still watch that show. Oh, <laughs> after sure make it fascinating, but. Drastically changed the tone, of, and the movies would be a lot drier. They, I think. they would be a little drier. Like I don't know what they would deal with. You know, like you don't have the board. You, you deal with like killer sharks or I don't know underwater problems. What, what what's an underwater problem that you'd have to deal with? Like they'd have to use harmonic resonators to lift up the seafloor. Well, yeah, they mentioned that the, would be uh, a whole arc, I guess. What are the what are the the project leaders say? Trying to overcome the. Tectonic tectonic compensation, whatever. Something like that. But the Enterprise actually solved the problem on a a previous mission by lightening the load on the tectonic plates using harmonic resonators. Mm -hmm. That's what it was, you know. Um, And that's why he'd be a perfect fit for the role and all that stuff. Yeah. Because, like, underwater, you can't be affected by the Borg. You can't be affected by various alien races, right? Like, you will never lose control. Yeah, you and, totally see the appeal of it. You know, yeah, for sure. yeah, so, and for, so for his character, I, I get it, why he would choose to do that, and I wouldn't fault him. And I'd still watch the show. It wouldn't be called Star Trek. It would be called Underwater Trek. But and I'd still watch that show with Picard. It's the it's a sign of the strength of his character. And by character, I don't mean the character of Picard. I mean Picard's character. Yep. His metal, his 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 backbone, sign of the of the strength that he has to uh, go back into space, go back into where he was hurt, yep. and and keep searching and exploring. And, yeah, and that's true. That's true. Stretching the boundaries of knowledge. Alone. I mean, like I personally cannot imagine being abducted by an alien race and being used to kill millions of people. You know the guilt I would feel. You know, so I might have a couple of drinks after that one. I think. Yeah, yeah, we would. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, any podcast. Well, we we couldn't podcast. It would just be like sad podcasting, <laughs> basically. And no one wants to hear that. We want happy podcasting, right? Well, it was funny um, with uh, with Robert and Picard when you see them side by side when they're sitting at the dinner table when they're walking through the fields. Um, most of the interactions they have, Robert comes across as this kind of crotchety old man. Yep. Picard comes across in every episode he's in, for the most part, as a stiff upper lip, um, very prim and proper. Yep. So it's it, they're almost they're they're very very similar the two of them, similar temperaments it seems like, similar mindsets, and they come from the same place of a stoic. Uh, um, do the job because the job needs to be done get it done no matter what keep things going work hard so I think 
that might also be a big because we never really see Picard's childhood with his brother, but that might be a big part of it as well. They're so similar. Yeah. So would you say that they're so similar, but the main difference is that, or you could say they're similar, but they're basically two different people on the same coin. Wait, sorry, what's that expression? Opposite sides of the same. Opposite point. opposite sides of the same coin. So this is where that where the beer kicks in a little bit. You well, know, so they're, they're so similar <laughs> that they hate each other, or that they they can't get along because they're so. It's like. Um, uh, like yeah, opposite side of the same coin, I guess. Yeah. Where, they, like everything that they do, they would each do this. Like each of them would do the same thing that the other one did in the same situation. They just can't get past the fact that there's. I, 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 I yeah, it's a half formed thought I just had. So. No, it's funny. You know, and it's a little funny you mention that because like, I can see with Ray and I, you know, like we are very similar in some ways, but we are also. A, exactly the opposite in many ways. I'm extremely left-wing, very liberal. He is very right-wing, very, well, what's the opposite of liberal? Conservative, right? But yet, at the same time, I see we have similar mannerisms. Our voices are the same. You know, there are other things I can see physically in us that are so similar, but... Wait, there is so much crap that it's starting to second pile? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... I can relate to Robert's and Picard's really, you know, brotherly relationship. You know, I mean, granted, I've never fought in the mud with Ray before, but um, maybe that'd be good for us, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, no. So in that regard, you know, just in terms of the relatability factor, I really like, like this episode. You know, I have uh, several times over the years had to tell my sister that she can't keep me on a pedestal the way she does. Yeah. Um, she admires me a little too much. It's uncomfortable. Um, but I can see where she's coming from with it because she just doesn't know any better um, because I've had to help her out so much over the years um, so I guess I can't fault her for that too much uh, I just kind of feel bad for her well Dan, sister, if you're listening, please leave a comment and tell us what you think about what Dan has to say. Because I think our whole podcast audience wants to know the reaction. That was the pure and varnished truth. I don't care what she says. Okay. I will like any comment she posts, just out of curiosity. <laughs> and so... <laughs> also, okay, we just finished a Wesley scene in this episode. And you know what? Like Before I played this episode, I forgot Wesley was even in this episode. I, I, we, oh, we've been talking about it like before we started recording one. We've been talking about the episode. We didn't mention it at all. That scene with the hologram of his dad, yep. that was a good scene. It was good, but you know what? I will level with you. I skipped all the Wesley stuff. For this episode, really? I I don't like Wesley as a character. I'm sorry. No, that's because you're stupid. But I get it. Okay. No, no, it's just like he's just boring. I don't know. He's just like <laughs> a, you know, like you compare him to Worf or Picard. It's the same with the Doctor or Troy. I'm sorry, like the women in TNG. Oh, well, they're so badly done. They're badly like, they written. Have like terrible lines. Yeah, they have no no real character behind them. The actresses give them life. They try. And they make it work. They try. But they have very little to work with. It's really like, unfortunate. You compare them to, say, DS9 or Voyager even, you know, um, I thought Kiro is such a fascinating character. You know? Bolana was great. Bolana? Yeah, yeah. Bolana. Um, 7 of 9, her growth. Well, actually, series. yeah, we can talk about that more in depth, but I, I don't think 7 of 9 changed much over the course oh, of three seasons. Did. She was... Well, by the time the, sh- the series ended, um, her and Chakotay got together. Yeah, no one together. likes that storyline. Oh, it was great. Don't you think that, that was, was a little classic. bit forced between the, the romance between Chakotay and Seven of Nine? Yeah, the writers just threw it in. Yeah, they had to. They had to give her something to, to grow from. 
Totally it was. Worse. I didn't believe that relationship at all. They had no, no chemistry or anything. No, okay, it. that's for the other podcast that we're going to do in the future. <laughs> we'll call it uh, Seven of Nine. And what does Seven of Nine drink? I don't know. She just not drinks, prune juice. Not prune juice. She, she wants. It must be something very healthy because it's logical and efficient. So I don't know what Seven of Nine. Doesn't she drink like a probably just water? Nutrient rich uh, serum. That's data. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, data, yeah. But okay, if we ever have a seven of nine podcast, we will talk extensively about Chicote and seven of nine. Um, and when we get that point in the last half of the last season, yeah, that's um, it's widely accepted that that is one of the worst decisions the writers have made to get those two together. I disagree. I think anyone who thinks that's not a great storyline is dead inside. Uh, yeah, but dead inside. Every, dead inside. Everybody's allowed to have their own opinions, even if they're wrong. Very well. Okay, well, any listeners, please comment if you like. and Let us know what you think, uh, even though it's a Picard podcast. Let us know what you think of the uh, Chicote and Seven of Nine relationship. It's funny with, uh, with Robert. Um, it's very obvious that he hates technology, right? Yeah. The whole idea of starships, he just kind of shakes his head at and not in a way that he doesn't understand it, it's just there's no need for them, it seems like. Now, on his farm, he doesn't have a whole lot of technology that we can see. Yep. Not the same way that you would see walking down like through Starfleet Academy or, or through uh, Starfleet Headquarters or something like that. Um, so it's safe to assume that Robert maybe hates too strong a word, but he doesn't care for technology, doesn't need it. Um, and it seems like in this episode, at least, uh, Picard might be afraid of it, the technology a little bit, just because of the board, what they did to him, and how yeah, they did it with the yeah. technology. I never thought about uh, that. Yeah. Like, like that might be reading into it a little too much, just because I've, you know, I've been watching these, this series for thirty years. Um, but it seems like uh, he's a little averse to the whole idea of technology. Um, but yeah, I've really picked up on that. That's an interesting observation. At least in this episode, like in future episodes, it's never brought up again. No, no, it's, this is very much a standoff. Well, no, it's standalone. Parts of this episode are very standalone. Um, what he gets out of this episode, uh, the connection with his family, and whatnot, obviously carries over in the movies. Yeah. Um, but I, that little feeling that I get with the, where he's afraid of the technology never really gets referenced ever again. No, and do you think that Robert is slightly disappointed in Rene over his love or his wish to become a Starfleet captain? No, see, he is. Right up until the very last scene of the, yeah. uh, the episode where his mom is watching him through the window and Robert comes up behind her and, and says, oh, and she says, oh, you have to get him in. No, no, let him stay out and drink oh, or whatnot. It. it seems like he's kind of, maybe he hasn't accepted the idea of him going to Starfleet, but willing to open himself to the idea that maybe his brother being in a starship isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, so you think Robert's coming around a little bit in terms of accepting 24th century yeah. technology? Like a, like a, like a, like Picard and, and Robert are um, on two different sides of an argument, oh, yeah. and they're, it seems like they're both moving towards a common middle ground. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, I wonder why Robert is so against technology. Is it because the Picard family is just so traditionalist? They grew up on a vineyard, like they've had this vineyard for maybe hundreds of years. And Picard, which was mentioned in Generations, is the first Picard to ever leave the was it leave the solar system or leave Earth? What one of those two? The solar system, yeah. I think. Okay, but they're like they. I forget if it's Robert or Picard. 
one of them mentions that their father was very, 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 very strict, very, very strict, strict or traditional. traditional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so I would imagine Robert following in his footsteps. Yeah, and Picard wanted to rebel. You know, like this is what I don't like about my family. I'm gonna do the exact opposite. You know, Um, which is again a parallel in my family. You know, like my grandfather was not for adoption, and so what my dad did was adopt two children. You know, so he followed my dad followed the card steps. You know, uh, being a, it had to be as different as possible. Yeah, exactly. So this is what the card did. You know, where I I grew up in a traditional family. You know, and like we don't leave, we didn't leave the solar system. But well, you know what? I want to be a Starfleet captain. I'm gonna explore the universe and the exact <laughs> opposite, right? So that's that's Picard, and right now Dan and I are watching the, probably the best scene in the episode where Picard breaks down in front of his brother after they just fought in the mud. And every single time I see this this scene, this this scene gives me tingles. Right? Oh yeah, you know, totally speaks, right? Just the two of them, like Picard crying, his brothers being very understanding, and and they've forgiven each other. They even though they don't say it, they've obviously said that they love each other. Yeah. And, and all that. Yeah. That's a great team. And it's two great actors doing great, actors. great work. Great with actors. A, with a great script, very well written the whole yeah. bit. And you know, let's just give a shout out to Ronald D. Moore. Like, I think Ronald Moore has written the best Star Trek episodes. And well, that's why we gotta do Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> wasn't he the exact producer on... Uh, yep, well, he was the showrunner. Showrunner. Yep. So he, was he like the equivalent to Gene Roddenberry? for No, well, no, well Battlestar Galactica was around before... Oh, it was from the 70s, right? It's from the they 70s, re- is it? Yeah. And they redid it in the uh, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Blu-ray totally worth watching. I've uh-huh. watched the time when we did a podcast for it. But Ronald D. Moore really comes into his own on that because he has free reign to do all this Ronald D. Yeah. Moore stuff. But would you agree that Ronald D. Moore has, or writes the best TNG or Star Trek episodes? He does some fantastic Yes, things. but wasn't he the one who also had a lot to do with that episode with Beverly where she's gone home? Oh, the ghost thing? Yeah. didn't he? Wasn't he in charge of that episode too? I don't. I would hope not. Because if he is, I, I feel like I'm right about that. If he is, he's got some serious problems. <laughs> he's not super... But maybe I'm wrong with that. Yeah, uh, we will talk about that in our next episode because I will actually look that up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But okay, there's this there's this one episode that is universally panned amongst all Star Trek, uh, amongst all Star Trek viewers. It is the one where it's in Voyager. Actually, it's where they go past warp ten. And oh, yeah. Tom Paris and, and Jay Way turn into lizards. Life um, I can't, that's right. I can't remember the episode title. Usually, I have the titles, but right now, oh. because of this is, this is my second beer, I can't remember the title right now. But it's not that bad of an episode. The, was the, that Ronald Moore? No, that wasn't Ronald. No, it wasn't Ronald Moore. It was actually it was Brandon Bragg. I know that. Oh, actually. Okay. That, yeah, that seems like a Brandon Bragg. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think the concept of what happens going past warp 10 is so fascinating to me and the fact that you would de-evolve somehow that's also an interesting idea yeah but the like where it lost the audience and it lost me a little bit was the fact that they just turned into lizards i think they could have ended that episode way better you oh know? yeah totally but the, like i would say 90 percent of that episode is really fascinating but they just screwed up the last 10 percent the the, the the conclusion of this you know but it's so panned that episode. There are worse episodes in TNG, in DS9, than that one in Voyager, you know? And that's ranked consistently in the top five of War Star Trek franchise episodes. Yeah, for good reason. You think so? For good reason? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, like, I, I like the, the whole idea. I, I love the exploration of that. 
but how the execution just really left a lot to be desired. It could have been better execute, but like just I think the concept makes it work for me, you know. But the exec, like the conclusion to that episode, makes it fail for me. You know? Oh yeah, they, well it's the conclusion that kills it for me too. When yeah. the two lizards are left on the planet, where yeah. they take off and all that. Yeah, like, really, that's how that played out. You just created new life, and now you're gone. Like, yeah, I don't get that. Because um, like they were trying, like Voyager was trying to figure out ways to get back home quicker, and so like going past warp ten. You know, it's a good, it's a great idea for an episode, I think, but didn't work. But we're not all perfect. Well, the, the breakdown in the mud, like we we're saying, um, that totally works. Shows a really human side of Picard, because there are very few instances where you get to see the human episode, the, the human side of Picard. Um, he's a very taciturn, strong man who has to carry his crew, be the morale for his crew. He can't let them see any weakness. So other than possibly Troy, when he uh, when he shared his willpower with uh, Sarek, uh, season three. Yeah, actually, you know, I have the exact same notes. One of the other few times we do see Picard so vulnerable is Unification, part yeah. one and two, season four. Is it four? Is it yeah, season? It's, yeah, it's season four, actually, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's doesn't have the same effect as when Picard breaks down in the mud because of the context. Yeah, he's surrounded, he's with his brother, he's yeah. family farm, yep. he's, it seems like, whether it is or not, it seems like it's the first time he's broken down since the Borg thing happened, yep. since all of that happened to him, so it's a very powerful scene, and yep. the, like the two actors, of course, pull it off like we were saying, but Picard himself, he's got the tears coming out of his eyes, he's making a speech, he's, he's visibly coming to terms in a small way with what happened to him I think he totally pulls it together yeah yeah um, very powerful scene I agree you know and I would have liked to have seen Picard a little bit more vulnerable a couple more times in the series you know like show that especially he, because of the Borg stuff like specifically because of that like he when he loses it in generations and he says you know this far no further the line must be drawn here. that was uh, first thing. contact first contact yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a great scene with yeah. Lily and whatnot. yeah um and in Generations uh, 2, when, you know, he finds out that Rene Robert died in the fire, he cried yeah. for a few seconds, and then I remember specifically, He's got the he said, well, you know what, this happens, and then Troy's like, no, it's not all, not all right, you know, sorry, sorry, Picard's exact line was, oh, it, it's okay, or, it's all right, this happens, then Troy's like, no, it's not all right, yeah. you know? and that's one of the few times that we saw Picard more human and vulnerable, you know. Um, it's nice to see it. It's possibly more powerful because we don't see it very often. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know. So maybe you're right. Like if if it, it was shown more in the series, then these moments here in family and generations of first contact wouldn't be as meaningful. Yeah. You no. Know? I mean, maybe we did see it a little bit in um, lessons. Uh, you know, when he talks about that other life he had from the inner light. You remember yeah. that episode, lessons? You know, when he falls in love with um, that science officer and he plays the flute, the song, and you know. It, and I mean, obviously, Dan and I were, we're going to do the inner light at some point. Oh, so, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. a maybe two episodes from now. Guarantee for sure. Yeah, and the episodes that reference inner light too, I think. Yeah, little lessons yeah. is the only other one. There's you a know. few though that. Well, maybe I think of the books. I might be thinking some of the books to really mention that. You know, they were actually going to do an episode of TNG called The Outer Light, where they come into where they come into contact uh, with shuttle with the. 
descendants of the people of the planet. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, you know, so Picard would have been face to face with his wife, with his children. He would have met them in person. Huh. Um, you could say again. I, I don't know, yeah. you know, but like it was pitched and it was rejected by Rick Berman. So I don't know if you knew that, but uh, uh, that was not one of Rick Berman's best decisions. See, like in modern television storytelling, the inner light would have been a multiple episode story arc. Oh, yeah. Feel. You know, it would have been referenced more. It would have, that is a huge, huge deal. You know, you live, I don't know how many years a Picard lived, like lifetime. maybe 70 years yeah. in another lifetime. Whole and family, it's mentioned friends, only yeah. one other time in all of TJ's television history. It was brought up briefly, or shown in a Nemesis deleted scene. Was it a deleted scene or not? But anyway. no, it was, yeah, I don't remember being in. Well, Data picks up the flutes in Nemesis anyway. I remember that. So it's so like talked about as a shown, right? Yeah. But it's important to the card. That's a good little Easter egg for the true fans, though. But you know, if I, if I were ever to buy anything from TNG, it would be Picard's flute, flutes. Right? Yeah, yeah, I would love to have the flute. I the, I listened to another Star Trek podcast, and one of those on that one said the exact same thing. I agree. I would get that flute the second I put it up on the mantle, and it's just there. <laughs> would you Would you learn how to play the flute in that song? That flute, no. <laughs> I would, I would, it, would be, it would be a piece to, to look at, not to play with. Do you think? We, can we get replicas of the flute, maybe? Well, there has to be. How much would, 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 you, would you pay? Like, would you pay fifty bucks? I'd pay fifty. I bucks. think I would actually. Yeah, I'd pay fifty. 50 if it was a good copy of it, yeah, I think I would. Because, like I said, that episode is one of the ones that I always go to. I watch that episode. Probably one. That's one of those episodes I've watched more than most others. There's a handful of episodes, and that's yeah. one of them. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this episode in about a month's time. We're going to dedicate a full 45 minutes to an hour yeah. all about the inner lights. Um, I mean, that's the quintessential Picard episode, and we're leading our way up to that one. Um, well, that one of the four lights. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I also love how the A story and the B story just kind of quickly uh, coincide at the end, you know, with Picard meeting worse parents and then worst dad saying I have all the specs and diagrams at home every single time that makes me laugh you know how the uh, doors close on him saying that he's half sentence and then Picard just smiles and walks back on the ship and in acceptance that oh yeah this is my life you know all is well with the world all is well with the world again you know so I really like that conclusion to the episode um yeah Okay, so now I think, you know, we've pretty much talked at length about this episode and uh, we gave it a good run. Yeah, we gave it a good run. Um, and so, you know, let's just go back to the beer we're drinking here because, I mean, after all, this podcast is called Earl Grey, where the Earl Grey is beer and Picard. So, Dan and I have transitioned to beers. Um, Dan, what are you drinking now? Uh, this one is from Royal City, uh, which is out of Guelph. Uh, it's called Smoked Honey. Um, it is a brown ale, and it has apparently real honey in it. Um, I don't particularly care for this. I really wish I wasn't drinking it, but I've cracked the can, so I will power through and punish myself with an interestingly interesting tasting beer. So you were you may have just killed a potential sponsor. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so before the beer I was drinking, which, oh my god, I forgot the name already, was the Ransack the Universe by Collective Arts. Before that, I was drinking something called a New England IPA Lake of Bays uh, starboard. Um, only a 5.4%. And you know what? Let's just jump into the ratings. I would just give it just a, a six Earl Grays out of 10. 
uh, Dan, what was the beer you had before this? It yeah, was, it was the a, ported. The sour is what I started oh, with. Oh, sour, okay. That so that one I would give a how many Earl Grey's out of 10? Yeah. Uh, six and a half. Okay. That's the, so. um, and then you had the, the uh, Portage. Yep. Yeah. Four and a half. Yeah. I think that four and a half mostly comes from having followed the sour. I think that really yeah. colored my taste palette, if you want okay. to get that <laughs> the, uh, the The smoked honey. I will give it a 1.5. 1.5, that is the officially... I not enjoy this beer at all. Officially the lowest rating we have had of any beer on this podcast so far. Wow, it must be a shit it's, beer. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Because it didn't have a red ale on the last one we did, or... Yep. Yeah, you didn't like that either, did you? It was better than this one. Mm. This brown ale is not pleasant. Did you give it more than 1.5, Earl Grey's? I want to say I gave it 2.5. You're, so you're, you're going in a downward trend for your red ales, apparently. So this I think is brown. A brown ale. This is brown. Okay. Well, not super red. Red. Okay. Yeah, very different beers. Okay. I don't. I wouldn't know. I, I just know IPA. But uh, okay. Anyway, so I have transitioned into a beer that I had, I believe, on the last episode. It's the Juice Caboose. That's uh, a good beer. I like that one. And yeah, I I have to have it again. It's just so good. I don't remember what I gave it on the last episode, but I'm sure it was high. Um, I will give it a, an, an eight Earl Grey's out of ten because it's that good. But so yep, so far the champion IPA is the Sparkle Puff by Flying Monkeys. And um, Flying Monkeys, if you're listening, we tweeted to you a couple weeks ago, <laughs> just saying if you want to sponsor us. Just saying. <laughs> um, it'd be nice if they sponsored us, if for no other reason than just can you stop saying that. True, and <laughs> um, I know this is an audio-only sort of thing, but Dan is wearing a Flying Monkeys craft beer T-shirt oh, today. So, okay, uh, we are huge fans of Flying Monkeys beer. Um, I know, and I know many of our audience is from different parts of the world. I mean, from what I've seen, that we we have listeners in Italy, Australia, Spain, Spain, America, um, Britain. and uh, Britain, uh, and yeah, of course, Canada. So we can only recommend you try this Flying Monkeys beer. You know, it's it's great. You know, it's in particular the Sparkle Puff and the Juice Caboose and uh, Flying. Uh, no, wait, Juice Caboose is. Railway City. Oh, wait, no, it is Railway City. Okay, I apologize. But Sparkle Puff, and there's another one. There's, they have an IPA, another IPA. I can't recall the name, but anyway, Flying Monkeys IPA beer, we highly recommend it. And we also recommend it while watching TNG because it amplifies the experience that much more. Uh, what do you want to rate the episode at? Okay, so as far as Picard episodes go, this this is a good one. This is an 8.5 for me. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Strictly on... The Picardness of the episode, yep. 8.5. Has to be. But at the same time, you know, okay, so we both have the same rating. However, you know, keep listening because there is an episode coming up not too far from now that will be higher, I sense, than an 8.5. Which one's that? Well, we're not going to say that the audience will just have to keep listening, won't they? <laughs> uh, and we'll talk off camera or off, uh, off mic. Off mic. Um, anyway, so like. As a podcast, we're trying to build an audience here and trying to grow, so we would love feedback from you. Um, let us know what you thought of this episode. And uh, we actually did have one comment about what all of you liked about the family episode. And I believe it was the user 
Mr. Picard, who said his favorite thing about family was Worf's parents. And yeah, they're fantastic. They're fantastic, but it's not it's not our favorite thing. I, I was I would say, but it is one of our favorite things. So anyway, if you're listening, Mr. Picard, very apt name actually. Thank you for your comments. Uh, and um, and I think with that, we are going to end today's episode. So um, keep listening. We have many more episodes to go. This is just season four. Devil's Do is our next one. Yep, do. Devil's Do. And, you know, we are actually going to play the original trailer for you now of Devil's Do. I love this part. I um, remember these trailers from when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't even watching TNG as it was airing, but Dan here was. So um, this is the original trailer right now. Who are you? A demonic power terrorizes a peaceful planet. These people are all convinced that their world is coming to an end. And a deadly game of seduction could steal Picard's soul. I can do anything for you, Captain. Your life is in danger here. Enterprise, come in. Your ship is gone, Captain. Duel with the Devil on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yep, can't wait for that one. Um, <laughs> I actually kind of forgot about that episode uh, until I watched it last week just to prep to, uh, to prep for the next episode. Um, the, the scene with Picard and Data in the shuttle, uh, the the woman holding the planet hostage more or less, just very awesome, very 80s sci-fi. I, I can't wait to get to that episode. Yeah, and it's not an episode that gets talked about very often. Um, you know, I'm, it's almost forgotten, right? Like you talk about all the great Star Trek episodes, that one never comes up. No, no. And hey. I, if if you hadn't mentioned it, I would not have thought about it at all for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I can't remember anyone ever. I can't remember the last time anyone ever talked to me about Devil's Do. You know, but it's such a fun, entertaining episode. Yeah. I can go back and it's watch like straight sci-fi. Straight sci-fi. And it's like any Q episode. I can just go back, watch it, and have fun, and that's it. So, anyway, uh, we have rated our beers. Um, yeah, you gave rated the episode. Yeah, rated the episode. So I think we're coming to a conclusion here. So, well, until next time, folks. Hope you uh, enjoyed our enjoyed our podcast. And um, if we have any tips, if you have any ideas, if you have any observations or critiques, let us know through Twitter or Facebook, and we will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, and uh, yeah, as we said, next episode will be Devil's Due, and that will come out around early September, if not before, so keep waiting. And subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or Spotify, and join our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you, and see you later.